0: If you got your Bibles, please turn to uh, Acts chapter 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 9, and then we're going to sh- shoot across to Acts chapter 2, 1 through to 4. And then the team on the sound desk is going to put up a video and play that. Um, so Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. In my former book, Theophilus, imagine if you were christened Theophilus. Imagine, I'd be wanting to be called Theo. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, but in a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. Then he gathered around him, and then they gathered around him and asked him, "Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of, to Israel?" He said to them, "It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set in His own authority." But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my, my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, including New Zealand. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Acts 2, verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost came, which was 50 days later, they were all gathered in one place It seemed like there were tongues of fire. There were not tongues of fire. Their head was not burning. Their hair was fully intact. But for them looking on, it was a spirit thing. And so they're trying to explain in human terms what the Spirit of God was doing. That's all that was. So do not be afraid. That this morning, if the Holy Spirit does something to you, your hair will not burst into flame. Don't worry about it. You will be fine. Believe me. But all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Fantastic. I think we should pray. Holy Spirit, firstly, we welcome you. We know that you are here because your word says we're two or three together. There you are. So we know that you're here. But I think, Lord, for many of us, we know that intellectually but we don't know that necessarily in a manifest way. So we welcome your presence here, God, and we ask you, Father, to do with each one of us what only you can do, what you choose to do, and what we're willing to receive. And everyone said, what a cool-looking bunch you are. Thank you for communion, Christine and Ellen. Where's Carl an awesome job this morning, leading worship, mate. Just wonderful. I think God's going to do something different this morning. What do you think? Yeah. Do you want him to? Yeah. Because that's where it starts. It starts with a desire, a want in my life in your life. So let's have a wee look at this, these verses first. Um, actually, I'm going to sh- shoot across to Acts 5 verse 12 to start with that. See, when the church was birthed, Acts 5.12 tells us that from that point on, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And by the way, you can put in there, not only were they done among the people, but done by the people. Us, his hands and feet. Done among the people, by the people. And the prophecy of Joel uh, to Peter declared that he uh, that Joel declared... Um, Joel 2 that Peter spoke was and afterwards I will pour out my spirit on all people and your sons and daughters will prophesy and your old men will dream dreams guys like me, your young men will see visions even, even um, on my, my servants both men and women I will pour out my spirit in those days, you know I love something about Jesus when he came along he didn't separate um, uh, um, it wasn't a two tiered system where men were higher than women He said men and women same gifts, shared, shared abroad, isn't that cool? Yeah. So, ladies, start prophesying. Yeah, now, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. But God, God doesn't look at gender; He looks at heart. Doesn't look at our gender, hey Simon. He looks at our heart. You know, church. Here's something that no one can dispute. There's one thing that stood out with the early church from everything else that was going on. One thing that stood out about the church. It was vibrant. It was full of life. The presence and power of the Holy Spirit was central in their gatherings. The gifts of the Spirit were operating which was normal. Everyone smile. It was normal. For the gifts to operate, and as a result of that, Christine, multitudes came to faith. As a result of that. Isn't that cool? So begs the question why was that true? And the answer is very, very simple. Because the Holy Spirit had arrived. That's this is not rocket science. That's what happened. The Holy Spirit had arrived. The church was birthed. And voila, thousands came to faith. Now, if you're here this morning, if you've committed your life to following Christ, you have that same spirit in you. (laughs) You have that same spirit in you. See, what we have received in our day is no different from what they received in their day. It's no difference. So the question then becomes, what are we then going to do with what we have already received? What are you going to do with that? Paul, what are you going to do with that? Robert, what are you going to do? You folk up the back. What are you going to do with what God has already given you? I think that's the question. I really do. You know, in the early church, the result for them was they came down from the upper room. They then lived their lives ministering in the power of the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine what that must have been like? Not only filled with the Holy Spirit, but ignited by the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine what that must have been like? Can you recall the day you gave your life to Jesus? Can Put your hand up if you can recall it. I mean, I'm 65 and I can recall it. It happened a wee while ago. I remember that day vividly. Man, when, when, that, when that time had come and I'd given my life to Christ, and I was a mess, believe me. I was an absolute mess, chaos. And God changed me in an instant. I walked out of that place on cloud nine. It was kind of like this is the, the, the trees look greener. You know, the air smelt sweeter. God had done a miracle. And I felt it and I experienced it, experienced it, and to this very day I still experience it. Now, surely I do make some mistakes, you know. I I sin. There's every now and again I'll sin. God doesn't kick me out the door because I make a mistake. He doesn't stop His favor and His presence upon my life because I sin. He doesn't want me to sin. It does separate us from us. We'll get to that in a minute from Him. We'll get to that soon. But He doesn't dismiss me as as used goods. That's what communion was about this morning. I'm forgiven. Powerful, powerful stuff. The early church had a spiritual makeover. And as James 1.22 says, they were not only hearers of the word, but doers of the word now. Here's the point for us today. Ministry begins with the Holy Spirit coming into us at the point of salvation, but it does not end there. Because the Holy Spirit in us, church, is given to us to work through us. Luke, who wrote Acts in his earlier gospel, records what Jesus began both to do and to teach, and to teach us, while he was on earth. But since Jesus went to be with the Father, the book of Acts tells us what Jesus continues to do through his church. That's us. That's you, that's me. That's not a gender issue, that's not even an age issue. That's a spirit issue. And he chooses to do that through us if we say, God, here I am, use me. In that sense, we represent him. And the word represent can also be rendered, we re-present him to a lost world. I shared breakfast yesterday that God has no plan B, folks, because we, the church, are it. We're it. So let's have a quick look at who the Holy Spirit is and what's his role, and then we'll see where we go after that. The Holy Spirit is not an it Not an impersonal force um, or power, but a divine person. It is the person of the Holy Spirit. John? Yes, John? You know the same. Pentecostal pastor? He would know that. He is, not him, he, Jesus, is the person of the Holy Spirit. That John's got him in him. Awesome stuff. So he's a divine person. We know that he's a person, he has a personality because the Holy Spirit can be grieved. How, would do, how do you think we grieve the Holy Spirit? Someone shout out, what do you think? How can we grieve him? Well, sin for a start. Disobedience, which is kind of sin really. Yep. How else could we grieve the Holy Spirit? From blocking him? From stopping him from doing what only he can do? Would that be true? True. Absolutely. We can grieve the Holy Spirit so we know that the Holy Spirit is not an it. He is our literal person. He has personality. He's the third member of the Godhead Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's not someone as the King James Version, the old King James, called the Holy Spirit the Holy Ghost. And you kind of get this picture of someone dressed up in a white sheet. But that's not what's going on here. It's a real person just like you and I, in that sense. He comes to comfort, to care for, to empower, to minister to anyone willing to receive Him. Earlier, John the Baptist had announced the coming of the Holy Spirit, prophesying that through Jesus, He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Matthew 3.11. That is to say, when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, as he did my life that day, not only are we empowered to live this new life, but he also begins to deal with the sin that would otherwise prevent us from living this new life. Good morning, Mary. A couple of friends from Porirua, North Porirua, give them a welcome. He not only his job is not only to bring hope and comfort and empower, but also to convict us of sin. And for good reason. And here's the reason, church. How many of you know that sin separates you from God? So there's a good reason why God convicts us of sin. It's not for his good, it's for our good. Let me explain that. Sin does not necessarily separate us from the presence of God because Psalms 139 says that God is present everywhere. Even Satan was able to have an audience with God. Read Job. Nor does sin separate us from the love of God because God loves sinners. Romans 5.8 But sin will absolutely separate us from the fellowship we enjoy with God. It creates a barrier. And we see that clearly in the parable of the lost son in Luke 15. If we read it in context, even though the prodigal son was still loved by his father, he did not enjoy the fellowship of his love while he was living in his chosen sinful life. Notice his chosen sinful life. The father still loved him, but he could not enjoy the fellowship of that love while he chose to live in that space. And by the way, Sin also separates us in some way from the protection of God because God will allow tough circumstances sometimes to bring us back to Him. How many have experienced that? Yeah, many of us have. So why am I making a point on this issue? It's simply this. Sin will block the Holy Spirit's power from working through you. Yes, it will. That's biblical truth. So, folks, if we, the church, are going to be the transforming agent of change that the Bible describes and God promised, we absolutely need the presence and power of the Holy Spirit working in us and transforming us so that he can work through us. us. Would you agree? Absolutely so. It's an important point that the Apostle Paul makes in Galatians 5.16 about the Holy Spirit. He says this, I paraphrase, Don't live by the flesh, but live by the Spirit. That's it. Then he lists the evidence. What's the fruit? What's the fruit of the proof that I'm living by the Spirit? You know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's the one I struggle with the most. I don't know about you. Am I the only one? (laughs) I've got some friends here. That's good. (laughs) Second point that I want to make this morning about this be filled with the Holy Spirit Ephesians 5.18 said is it exactly that be filled with the Holy Spirit it wasn't a suggestion Paul was not suggesting that we do he didn't say you know Paul this Paul here it would be a really good idea if you're a busy schedule you could find the time to be filled by my Spirit I want to equip you for the task but of course only if you've got the time only if it's convenient he didn't say that It's actually a command. Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Holy Spirit, Miriam. A. Yes. Be filled, Caleb. Be refilled. Be recharged. Be resupplied. Be topped up again with his presence. It's a thing. It's a thing that we need to do. We have to do this for good reason. You see, when you come to faith, you receive the Holy Spirit. Now, theologically, some people strongly so believe that we are baptized again and again in the Holy Spirit. I don't believe that for one second. What I believe, and I believe it's very biblical, the minute that I came to faith, I was baptized by the Holy Spirit Katie, right there and then. But the reality is that life happens, and as you go through life, we deplete, we go to work, we get married, we have partners, and we have children, and we have mortgages, and bills to pay, and all that kind of stuff, and sometimes you're driving the car, and you crash into another car, and stuff just happens. You drive out the driveway on church to get to church and you're in a rush and you run the cat over things like that happen in life you know stuff just happens poor cat <laughs> obviously I've done that <laughs> experience speaking <laughs> but I breathed life into it Anna it came to life again yeah I just prayed and jumped up took off yeah no, seriously I did I ran this cat I've got to tell you this story now you've got me going <laughs> I've got to tell you this story. So here I was. I wasn't actually coming to church. I was going to visit someone. I was going to visit them. And um, so I thought I was doing the right thing. I'm pastoring the church, and I'm going to visit this person. And I'm driving down. This is in Wainui Mata. And I drive around this corner, this cat ran out in front of me. It's one of those moments in time where if you, if, I just couldn't stop in time. I just could not. And I wasn't speeding. I don't do that. Um, But anyway, and this cat ran out in front of me, and I literally ran it over right across its neck. I did edit that out. (laughs) And this this poor thing was on the road, and it was kind of like comatose. I stopped the car, and I I felt just awful. I ran back, and as I'm running over to it, kind of jumped up on its four feet again and took off. I was so relieved. I really was because I would have been knocking on doors to say, holding this thing in my hand, is this yours? (laughs) I don't know why I'm telling you that. Just to lighten up the atmosphere. (laughs) 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 Stuff happens in life. Things happen in life. We become depleted. We run out of steam. We need refilling. We need recharging. We need to be topped up, which means we can ask God to fill us again and again and again. This is not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's already happened. As far as I'm concerned, and I believe theologically, that's a one-off event at the point of salvation. You are baptized. Holy Spirit comes baptizes you, but you can be refilled and recharged and re-energized again and again and again. Nowhere in Scripture will you find the command to be baptized. There's no command in Scripture to be baptized in the Spirit. But we are commanded to be refilled again and again and again. And perhaps today, you're going to be refilled. Perhaps you are. I mean, I can't tell you to. That's your choice. But we've got a God that is willing and waiting to fill you afresh if you'll let him. Isn't that cool? What wonderful news that is. In fact, the verb, be filled with the Holy Spirit in the, in the Greek language is in the present tense, mean meaning keep on being filled. What's your name? Lauren, fantastic. Keep on being filled, Lauren. Keep on being filled. What's this young fella's name? Jono. Are you, are you, you, you Jono? You that, oh, Jono. Yeah. Are you You that Jono? <laughs> I never met you before, by the way. I'm just making conversation. <laughs> Keep on being filled. Keep on being filled. It's not an age thing. It's not a gender thing. It's a spirit thing. Keep on being filled. That means I can go before God when I'm having a rough day and I've had a rough week and say, God, you know, I'm I'm running on empty. And God says, good boy, now you need to rely on me. And he fills me again. And he fills me again. You know, the early church in Acts were not content with life as they knew it. They knew God promised more and they wanted more. And guess what happened, church? God gave them more. Can I have the music team up, please? Now, yesterday at the breakfast, there was about 120 adults there and some kids. You may recall, if you were there, you all agreed for Sinal Auburn's Baptist Church to begin to flourish again that we needed to push the reset button. Do you remember me saying that? Do you remember that you agreed to that? Yeah? Anyone change their mind overnight? <laughs> That's good. Well, here's the reality of what I asked yesterday. I asked that in a corporate setting, in a corporate sense, and it's true, it's, it's necessary. But what I've experienced in church, churches over the years is, what we agree to corporately is really the second step because the first step is that we actually have to do it individually first. And if you stop and think about it, when, when we do it as an individual and things change for us, it has a natural overflow into the wider body, into the corporate body. And the corporate body begins to change. And it begins to change because I took responsibility for me first. So it starts with me first. It starts with you first. You know, during the last 12 weeks, quite a number of you have shared with um, Christine and I, um, who's still not that well, by the way, about feeling weary. And it's true. I've seen that in some of you and life does that life has this habit of just sucking the life out of us so we need to refuel we need to refill it's true we do need that and there's another part to all of this as well not just about you might be here this morning and you you're absolutely on fire with God and things are going really well and awesome that's wonderful it's not just about refilling and refueling. It's also about receiving the gifts that God has given you and opening up yourself again to be re-energized with whatever gift God has given you. Or gifts, actually. The Bible talks about gifts plural, not gifts singular. And there may be some of you here this morning that that have been sitting on the gift or the gifts that God has given you, and that's the problem. You're sitting on it. You're just not... For whatever the reasons are, it doesn't really matter. Maybe someone shut you down. Maybe someone spoke a word, negativity, into your life, and I hate that spirit of negativity. I hate it with a passion. It's so destructive. It's where the enemy kind of just operates so well, you know, when we speak negatively of people. Anna talked about that a couple of weeks, a few weeks ago, eh, Anna, in in your message. Anyway, someone spoke that into your life, and you just kind of your spirit just shut down, and, and you thought, well, I'm not going to open up to that again because if I do, then I'll be exposed and then I'll get hurt again. Well, that may be true. You may get hurt again, but here's the thing I would rather please God and step out again than please Satan and do nothing. Yeah? Maybe that's you. Or maybe you're here this morning and you desire, because Paul talks about de- desire the greater gifts, desire them. Desire those things. You, there's something on your heart that, that you say, God, I would love that, whatever that is. Well, you just got to ask him. Here's the thing, though, when it comes to that, um, If if you have a real desire, a genuine desire to sing on the music team and you know you can't sing a word in tune, it's probably not God wanting to give you that gift. It's probably not. God apportions gifts um, to the body of Christ as he sees fit. 1 Corinthians. As he sees fit. So he knows how you're wired. He knows what you're good at and what you're not good at. It's going after those Paul talks about coveting those gifts that God has wired you for, that God has already given you. What I'm saying to you this morning is, you you know what that gift is. It's there, but you've kind of not done a lot with it. You know, that's all. So go after that gift. You might want to be a preacher, um, but you get tongue-tied. Man, you should have heard me when I first my, preached my first message about 35 years ago. What an absolute disaster. That's not the case now, is it, church? Thank you, God. <laughs> so, just tongue-tied. So what? Take it before God. Say, God, what am I going to do with this thing? Or actually, more to the point, what are you going to do with it, God? What are you going to do with that in me? So I'm not going to rabbit on anymore about this. You've heard what the Bible says about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you've heard that as a follower of Jesus you already have that, if you're here this morning and you haven't committed your life to Christ, well you can have the same thing, you just need to ask Him just ask Him He will come in, He will flood your life, turn you around wow, that's what God does, that's what He does please stand to your feet, that's what God does, He's so good at it Thank mm-hmm. you.